search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. The elements involved today included psychiatrists, astrologists, and police guards for school buses. Terry Drinkwater reports. School children are nice targets. I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, shoot out the tires, and then pick off the kiddies as they come bounding out. That was the threat of the Zodiac Killer. Now, every day, police cars follow the buses which would be likely targets. Officers armed with shotguns take the threat seriously. The psychotic killer has already murdered five. One at a lover's lane near a lake just north of San Francisco. Three others in nearby Vallejo. The latest, a taxi driver in San Francisco. The Zodiac Killer seems to crave publicity. He sent letters and cryptograms to newspapers and the police, recounting his crimes, threatening more murders, and making Bay Area residents very edgy. In his violent movements, or rather the violent, violent periods that he has been in, uh, he's an absolutely ruthless, completely merciless killer. He calmly goes about his business of, uh, in one case, telephoning the police, and another tearing a strip off the, off the shirt of the dead body of the immediately killed victim. Um, he doesn't get great excitement over it. He, he just uh, he thinks killing is, is just killing. So somebody like that is going to be a very serious problem for us. From witnesses, there are two generally similar composite drawings. He's around 30, reddish hair, 5 feet 10, crew cut, but not much more than that is known. Today, a meeting of lawmen and psychiatrists from all over the Bay Area. They are weighing advice from astrologers on the theory that perhaps the killer who calls himself the Zodiac may be planning his next victim based on astrological signs. Terry Drinkwater, CBS News, San Francisco. Hello, horror maniacs, true crime enthusiasts. This is the Horror Hound. Welcome to a very special episode of the Horrorverse, episode 12, and I'm going to be talking about the Zodiac, as you guessed it from the opening clip, which is a CBS News report that aired October 20th, 1969, which I found on YouTube and can be found anywhere, probably all over the internet. So, I have to beg the question, who is or was the Zodiac Killer and why hasn't this person been caught? But... Let me interject for a second. There are theories that this guy has been caught. And there's also theories floating on YouTube saying that a gentleman came forward saying that his father might be the Zodiac, which is proven through DNA testing. But we all know they're just theories and they're working theories and they're very good theories. But we have to capture what the truth is. So. Close to 50 years later, and the identity of the Zodiac Killer remains one of the ultimate unsolved mysteries of American crime. Never any books have been written on the subject, and the case remains a favorite with unskillful detectives and true crime enthusiasts uh, such as you and I. It also irregularly pops up in various forms of pop culture, from casual jokes to deep dive explorations to horror retellings of a story that is already terrifying. The most notable of these is David Fincher's 2007 mystery thriller or psychological thriller, Zodiac. So in 1968 and 1969, the Zodiac Killer attacked seven people in four different Northern California locations. His first three targets were couples in isolated areas. Two of these people survived as well 
known victim as a taxi driver killed on October 11th, 1969 in San Francisco. During and after his killing spree, Zodiac received attention and spread panic as he shared ciphers, letters, information, and threats with authorities and the public. No murder has been officially linked to the Zodiac Killer since October 69, but the unanswered case continues to captivate audiences everywhere. Like me, I am totally captivated. Captivate away there, Captain. Anyway, <clears throat> so in the span of one year, this guy has been able to kill five people and two attempted murders officially accredited to him, but then the Zodiac may have killed more. So his first two, uh, on December 1968, 17-year-old David Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen were shot while parked on Lover's Lane during their first date. The police had no idea that a serial killer was responsible for these deaths. His next two, uh, Darlene Farron and Mike Majot, who were 22 and 19, shot multiple times while sitting in Farron's car at the Blue Rock Springs Cafe Club in Vallejo, California. Farron was killed, but Majot survived the wounds to his jaw, shoulder, and leg. Two more on, in September 1969. 22-year-old Cecilia Shepard and 20-year-old Brian Hartnell were having a picnic at Lake Berryessa in Napa County. They were approached by a man wearing a hood that bore a symbol of two intersecting lines in a circle. The man used a gun to threaten Shepard and Hartnell, tied them up, and then stabbed the pair. Both Shepard and Hartnell were alive when the help arrived. However, unfortunately, Shepard ended up succumbing to her wounds and Hartnell recovered. A man showing up in a hood that has a circle with two intersecting lines. My first initial question would be like, are you lost? Because the Renaissance Fair is down the street, dude. I mean, you're wearing a creepy hood and all black clothes, so that makes me wonder. Anyway, and the cab driver. In October 1969, San Francisco Zodiac got into the cab of Paul Stein, 29, as a passenger. I would hope he got a passenger. What else could get it as? So, while in the taxi, Zodiac shot, shot Stein in the head. Bystanders saw Stein's murder, so police were soon on the scene and the case. The witnesses had described the murderer as white, around 25 to 30 years old, wearing glasses with a crew cut. Sounds like an army basic training guy. Got the rosy red glasses and a crew cut. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, the police assumed the killing was a robbery, spotted a man identical to this description, but the dispatcher had mistakenly told him that the suspect was a black person. The man was allowed to leave, and the Zodiac killer was not caught. See, that's great detective work, people. Even though you were given the description of a man 25 to 30 years old wearing glasses and a crew cut, you still stop the black man. That just shows you that some people are assholes. And that's as far as I'm going with that one. So, the infamous cryptic letters. We all know about the cryptic letters. And... After his July 1969 attack, the Zodiac Killer began to communicate with newspapers via letters that contained details only the killer would know. In addition to calling the police after the murders he committed in July, he made a phone call, declaration of his guilt, to law enforcement, saying, Oh, I'm guilty. I'm sorry. I'm confessing. The Zodiac Killer took a calendar for Stein's death in a letter postmarked October 1969, enclosing a piece of the driver's bloody shirt. He also reached out to the police by a phone several days following that crime. A bloody shirt, mate. Here you go. Merry Christmas, fucker. Anyway. Yippee-ki-yay, bitches. Anyway. 
Got a letter to the San Francisco Examiner received on uh, to August 4th, 1969. He wrote, this is the Zodiac speaking, marking his first use of the name Zodiac. That opening greeting would be repeated in many letters to come. Um, his messages also often include the crosshair symbol, which resembled the sight of a rifle, the same icon, icon on the hood worn during his September 1969 attack. Or he just likes to doodle envelopes. I don't know. I mean, I like to doodle sometimes when I'm bored and can't think straight. Anyway, <clears throat> Zodiac seemed to enjoy the marketing he received. He took steps to ensure messages were widely shared, such as threatening to go on a kill rampage unless a cipher was published in the San Francisco Chronicle, then issuing a separate threat to have a cipher published in the San Francisco Examiner. Make it your mind, dude. Just pick one newspaper, you greedy bastard. So, another question I have to beg and ask. Did the Zodiac stop killing? Through the Zodiac claimed to be responsible for 37 deaths, no victims have been discovered since 1969. Widespread culture often depicts serial killers as operating under desirable coercions, but under certain circumstances, they can't refrain from murder. The FBI's National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crimes has noted that serial killers may stop if something changes in their lives. Perhaps coming so close to getting caught on the night of Stein's murder scared Zodiac onto a safer path. I found Jesus! Hey, man! Oh, maybe that's he went to church and had second thoughts. I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another probability is that the terror he provoked in the public served as a substitute for killing. Ah, I scared you fuckers. I'm good. All right. No more killing. Scott's honor. As well as to the growing order may stifle predatory impulses. Um, some professors say that who wrote a book of the Zodiac has theorized that murder may have recovered from disassociative identity disorder, also known as multiple personality. So with recovery came an end to his desire to kill. It's also possible Zodiac stopped taking lives for a reason outside his control, such as being institutionalized, imprisoned, or he just died and croaked and kicked the bucket. Who knows where this old fucker is. Anyway, a letter postmarked November 12, 1969 had threatened, I shall no longer announce to anyone when I commit my murders. They shall look like routine robberies, killings of anger, a few fake accidents, etc., etc., etc. Good for you, pal. Make it look like an accident. Collect that insurance money. Just kidding. Don't do that. Even to this day, his identity remains a mystery, even though people are saying, yeah, he's got this DNA linked to this dude somewhere in New York. Or Australia, who fucking knows? Sorry, it's kind of infuriating. See what I mean? It's infuriating. So, without knowing the killer, it's unmanageable to be certain whether his violence has come to an end. Both members of law enforcement and unskillful investigators, the sleuths, continue to chat the Zodiac killer. Their work relies on the original research handled separately by the law enforcement in Vallejo, Napa County, and San Francisco. The case was not under federal jurisdiction. Though, the FBI provided support for analyzing handwriting, fingerprints, and decoding the Zodiac's messages. Over the years to come, more than 2,500 suspects were deliberated, ranging as far afield as Unabomber Tekazinski. Really? Two different timelines, people. But I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Moving on. A search warrant was executed for one prime suspect, Arthur Lay Allen, but no conclusive evidence was discovered. Additionally, Allen's fingerprints did not match the prints from Stein's taxi. And in 2002, DNA pool from a Zodiac scent stamp did not match Allen's DNA as well. Though the DNA sample was small and the results somewhat inconclusive, plus Allen often had other people lick stamps for him. Smart dude. 
Okay, moving on to movie review. I gotta make this quick because I'm pretty sure I'm boring people to death by now with my quips and phrases. I don't know. As David Fincher's 2007 thrilling two-story movie Zodiac notes, the identity of the real Zodiac killer has been a decades-long mystery. So who was the murderer? Bum, bum, bum. Throughout the late 1960s and 1970s, the residents of Northern California found themselves played by the threat of the mysterious Zodiac killer. The unknown murderer killed five people, injured two others, and claimed about 37 victims to his name. What made the story all more terrifying was the fact that the killer sent taunting letters and cards to the local press, often through cryptograms that remain unsolved to this day. So, my question for them, for the masses and the people that are listening. The cryptograms you find on newspapers, do you think that was inspired by the Zodiac killings and his, letter, his letters to the newspaper firms? Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Hmm. To be determined. Anyway, Zodiac is one of the most precise true crime movies ever made, and not least which is its representation of San Francisco during the time of the Zodiac murders. The filmmakers gathered as extensive a report on the crimes and the surrounding investigations as was possible for Hollywood production, getting access to even old police files. Notwithstanding from the appealing of the film, from recreating victims' clothing to the smoke-filled offices of the San Francisco Chronicle, Zodiac goes to great lengths to accurately depict what happened to the victims, including copying beat for beat what the Zodiac's attacks were like. So what made this movie so distinguished is, other than its incredible direction and assembled actors, was its source material. The film used the work of Robert Graysmith as its foundation to tell a familiar story from a new angle. Graysmith, who is played by Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie, was a political cartoonist for the San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle at the time when the Zodiac Killer became noticeable. He quickly, by his own admission, became fixated with the case and dedicated years of his life trying to solve it. Today, he is a full-time true crime writer who has written books on a number of high-profile cases, such as the death of actor Bob Crane and the hunt for the Unabomber. The movie has distinguished by critics for its unbelievable attention to detail and its historical accuracy with which it tells its story, a trait that has defined Fincher as a director. This is particularly notable in the depiction of the individuals involved with the case. While Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't look like much like a Robert Graysmith, he does catch the man's obsessive focus on the Zodiac. Uh, according to Screen Rant, um, a website that does movie reviews, there are a few major details that were left out of the movie. As with any film that dramatizes real life events, Zodiac reduces and eliminates certain elements for cinematic effort. Paul Avery's arc is a good example of this, as well as the whole profile of suspects investigated at the time who weren't Arthur Lee Allen, who or were not Arthur Lee Allen. What Zodiac is so good at, however, is, is in showing the appropriate admiration to the victims, the investigators, and the overall case that proved so gripping while also being highly distorted over the decades. The condensing of these details, interpretation for those moments where the accuracy is complete, is seen featuring Ian Sky and Kathleen Johns, shows the woman and her baby being picked up by an enigmatic guy in his car, who then said he was going to kill them both. Johns escaped and later recognized the man from a composite sketch of the Zodiac Killer on a wanted poster. In a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle, the Zodiac claimed responsible for these events. In conclusion, what makes the Zodiac authentic is the way the voice chases. The shootouts, the grandstanding, and the false climaxes, and just follows the methodical progress of police work. 
just as Woodward and Bernstein knocked on many doors and made many phone calls and met many very odd people, so did the cops and Graysmith walked down strange pathways in their investigation. Because Graysmith is unarmed and civilian, we become genuinely worried about his his naiveness and risk-hating, but especially during a trip to a basement that is, in its way, one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a long time. It is in Graysmith's book that the concept is postulated of the Zodiac Killer being Arthur Lee Allen, a conclusion that the author came to based on circumstantial evidence. Fincher's Zodiac certainly portrays him as a likely suspect and a deeply scary person. But was that true? Was Arthur Lee Allen actually the Zodiac? It's, we never know. So, how much of the Zodiac's true story is portrayed correctly in a movie? That's a very good question. So, with that being the end of that, thank you for listening. This is the Horror Hound. I very much appreciate your your support and your loyalty, and I hope you continue to listen to my podcast. On the next episode of the Horrorverse, join me as I compare the 1980 and 2009 versions of Friday the 13th. Which version did the audiences and the critics prefer? Also, I will discuss what lacks in both versions. Is Jason Voorhees the same remorseless person in the 2009 version, or has the vacant void been filled by the previous bloodbaths? All this and much more in the next episode. Thank you for listening, and please support this podcast by subscribing to it on the following platforms. Anchor FM, Breaker Audio, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify.